Hello and welcome to an extra emergency edition of Oh God, What Now? The people of Tamworth and Mid-Bedfordshire have spoken and they've given the Conservatives one of the worst by-election nights in history. Yesterday's 23.9% swing from Conservative to Labour in Tamworth was the second highest since the war. It's the safest seat ever to be lost by government. And in Mid-Bedfordshire, former citadel of the banished witch queen Nadine Dorries, the Tories endured a 28.7% collapse in the vote. I wonder why. The Conservatives' prospects now lay in smoking ruins and former Chancellor George Osborne predicted that Armageddon is coming for the Tory party. So good news is very much thin on the ground these days. So please enjoy a special gloat cast with me, Andrew Harrison, and our man with the crystal balls, Mystic Alexandreo. Hello, Mystic Alex. <laughs> Hello. You got it right, didn't you? I did. I've been saying it for a while. I don't know why. I, I just thought it just feels like People are getting smarter and smarter about how to vote strategically. And as it got closer to the election, it felt like some vote, some Tory votes were going to defect to reform to show dissatisfaction, and some Liberal Democrat votes would come to Labour. Um, and that is basically what happened. Uh, and it put Labour just over the line, both those seats, which is just an astonishing thing. I mean, we really need to take a moment to, I mean, th these are, I think, the 98th and 57th safest Conservative seats in the country. And some people are saying, you know, uh, they're starting from a big basis because they did so very well last year. But actually, safe seats are counted from the safest upwards. So even if they just had, you know, a hundred seats, these would still be their seventh, fifty-seventh, and ninety-eighth safest. So uh, the the size of the majority makes not a blind bit of difference. And I think what what it means is that the, there are a lot of Conservative MPs in Westminster today that will be looking at their majority in their constituency. And having a little bit of a panic, um, you know, even people who consider the seats to be quite safe. Starmer told Sky to have won either of these by-elections would have been extraordinary. To win both of them is historic. Is he right? Yes, I think that's absolutely right. The Conservative Party was leaking briefing papers saying they were probably going to lose both which in expectation management speak meant they expected to keep one of them. Uh, and a lot of the narrative pre these two elections was that they would keep hold of Mid-Bedfordshire. Um, and, and they didn't. And, and in a three-way competitive seat, that is probably a more stunning result than Tamworth, which is a straightforward swap um, and anti-government vote. So Mid-Bedfordshire has been a, a Conservative seat since 1931. It's not surprising that they might have expected, uh, Labour might have expected not to take it. It's the biggest numerical majority ever overturned. Tamworth was a massive leave voting constituency. What does this say about how Labour's getting its message out to the places it needs to reach? Yeah, and Tamworth is the second biggest swing. Mm. So we have the biggest numerical majority overturned on the same night as one of the biggest swings against the government. Um, I mean, I think it says several things, actually, because turnout was quite 
low in Tamworth. Uh, it was lower than recent by-election averages, which tend to be in their 40s. Um, turnout mid Bedfordshire was actually quite high uh, for a by-election. Daisy Cooper of the Liberal Democrats made a really fascinating point today when she said that it serves the Conservatives to promote this narrative that people stayed largely away, even though actually you can't see from the data that it was Conservative voters who stay away, stayed away. It might have been quite an even spread. And as a matter of fact, with torrential rain battering England yesterday, it might have been quite an even spread that stayed away. But they're, they're building this narrative that uh, Tory voters stayed away because there's nothing to attract them to Keir Starmer. So they may be losing, but Keir Starmer isn't winning. Daisy Cooper made this really fascinating point that the people she spoke to um, made the point that they believe the country to be so broken that nobody can fix it. That's why they're staying away. And I think that's a really worrying interpretation because it means that actually all three major political parties will have to work really, really hard to restore trust in the political system in people. Theresa May's former chief of staff, Gavin Barwell, uh, on Twitter, said the results have showed that Sunak's big speech about him being the agent of change, that uh, junking the net zero commitments and uh, all the talk about war on motorists, all the post-Oxbridge stuff, it's all failed. It's made no difference. Um, where does this leave Sunak? I mean, we said at the time that um, Uxbridge, that the danger was that Uxbridge would be overinterpreted and misread in a really gross way, and that's what happened. And uh, uh, Sir John Curtis was saying yesterday that with this set of results now, putting them in the framework of what happened in Scotland recently, of Selby and Ainsty, of all the recent results, Uxbridge is beginning to look like a blip, like a mirage, he described it as. And it's really tragic that we have basically trashed our net zero policy based on that catastrophic misreading of a, of a local result. Of all the shit things we've seen in the past few years, that was the most craven for, for, it really for, is horrific, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, over the over for just four hundred ninety-five votes in a an ex, shall we say extremely atypical constituency, you know, a carboy mm. stronghold to just destroy the possibly the only redeeming feature that you could possibly find in, in recent Conservative governments just for that really turned my stomach. And, and even more worrying, you now have people on the right of the party, um, sort of, you know, uh, cheer led by. Uh, media outlets like The Telegraph and GB News, um, and you have people like Lord Frost um, saying that we need to do more of that, that the solution is to actually expand these kicking things over uh, policies to more areas, to more sectors, um, because because the, the key to winning the next election is to wake up the base that stayed at home, when there's actually zero evidence for this. I mean, it, it is literally where that rump of the party want to take the party. and But there is no correlation with 
feeling out there. The, the, the conservative conference where all these things were, I mean, it didn't even make a difference on the, if you look at the aggregate polls, I think they're 1% closer than they were, they were pre-conference season, pre-junking HS2, pre-junking net zero. And so the notion that we just need to do more of that in order to somehow attract voters, it's for the birds. But it's also the sign of any organization that's kind of lost it when every new piece of evidence is taken as concrete proof that we must do what I wanted to do all along. Which actually is incredibly um, Labour 2019, I'm afraid. Um, they, they seem to be taking their lead uh, from an increasingly shrill echo chamber on social media. There seems to be denialism running through the party. I mean, I don't know if you saw uh, uh, Education Secretary Gillian Keegan's um, interview this morning where she said, and I quote, because it's worth quoting, um, that if you look at the detail, there was no swing to the Labour Party. That's flatly untrue. I mean, there were two of the biggest swings ever to the Labour Party. And she's saying, if you look at the detail, there wasn't actually a swing. And it's very difficult not to hark back to those people who, having lost the election the day after they were tweeting that Labour won the argument. That's what it feels like. It feels like now design denialism, like a psychological, emotional defense. You don't want to see the thing that's happening, therefore you won't see the thing that's happening. It's been a big day for Meat Shields, not just uh, Gillian King, but Greg Hans putting in a bravura performance this morning where he did the media round to claim there was no enthusiasm for Starmer. The results were, you know, Labour vote was, was the Labour vote was down, he's thinking, was it in Tamworth? And uh, it's entirely down to conservative voters staying at home. He tried to define Nadine Dorries, the number 10 parties, and even the Tamworth candidate Andrew Cooper telling benefit claimants to fuck off as legacy issues. These were legacy issues issues that, that affected mm. the votes. You can't write off your entire record as government as a legacy issue, can you? Well, that, I mean, that, that's been the strategy. That's what they're trying to do. I, I would genuinely find it astonishing if Greg Hans survived in his position the weekend. Um, the, the idea that at the end of a, this catastrophic set of results, the person that's responsible for your electioneering gets to stay in post. I mean, it would it would just be testament to such a weakness on um, Rishi Sunak's part. He should have gone in the middle of the night last night. Yeah, you say that, Alex, but who else is he going to get to do it? I mean, they're on, they're on the absolute dregs. We've scraped the, the bottom of the barrel is a pile of damp wood shavings. Literally just go outside, number 10, and grab a straight cat. Are you putting Larry in the frame? Yeah, snap off a twig off a bush, and that would do a better job than Greg Hands is doing at the moment. Just grab a tourist off the street, and they would do a better job than Greg Hands is doing at the moment. 
who thinks that what he needs to do is go around a bit more with Starmer flip-flops and that idiotic note and just show that to a few more people and that will fire people up to vote for another five years of this shit shower. The idiotic note that you just mentioned is the one that uh, Hans produces. It's from uh, Liam Byrne, the, the, the infamous yeah. There's No Money Left um, note. Yeah. And uh, before we recorded this podcast, we were discussing this about how it might not be a good idea when your own government has crashed the economy, uh, tanked it and spent all the money to try mm. to continue raising the concept that the money has run out. And, and you know, this morning, since we had that conversation, we had three pieces of uh, economic news, actually, um, which are going unnoticed in the general melee of um, international and domestic news. So September retail sale, sales fell by 0.9%, which is three times sharper than economic forecasts. Um, consumer confidence index has shown its lowest consumer confidence since March 2020. That was the first lockdown. And 30-year UK borrowing costs are now highest since 1998. So if the idea is that wait, you know, waiting, having the election as late as possible allows the economy to recover and Sunak to present some sort of different um, picture, I'm afraid the economic data may be pointing to things getting worse rather than better. This is a gloat cast and we are very happy, but it is worth looking at the tightness of the results. Uh, obviously, the swings were huge. The overturn majorities were huge. But the, the actual margins, um, particularly in mid-Bedfordshire, where it was a three-way race, uh, were quite tight. Uh, the Lib Dems got 9,420, just a couple of thousand um, behind the Tories and Labour. Reform got 1,300 votes in Tamworth, where the Labour majority was 1,300, and yeah. 1,400 votes in mid-Bedfordshire, where the majority was 1,200. So the, the votes for these small parties... You know, there was even an independent in Mid-Bedfordshire who got 1,800. That could have affected the results. I mean, might we be getting a little bit giddy with the excitement of history's hand on our shoulder and not realising that these actually were, while huge swings, tight margins? I mean, look, you can only win the election you've got in front of you, right? So um, you can throw all kinds of hypotheticals and say how it could have gone different, but it didn't. I think what the results show is that strategic um, alliances between progressive parties, even if they are informal ones, and incredibly sharp voting from the voting public, like identifying the party that is more likely to win in a constituency and voting for them in, in order to get this government out, are more important than ever because Farage has formed this, right? He promised he wouldn't stand uh, aside in 2019, and he did exactly that, gifting the Conservatives a huge majority. I think we need to stay vigilant, but I also think it was quite healthy for Mid-Bedfordshire to happen. It was quite healthy for the Lib Dems and Labour to actually face off against each other in a by-election, rather than constantly have this notion that they're avoiding each other. Um, there are very few three-way marginals up and down the country. 
and and so it this won't be a massive problem come the election um normally the challenger will be a lot easier to identify than it was in mid bedfordshire if you know what i mean and so i think people will be quite smart about voting that way best for britain will have a, a more updated more sophisticated tactical vo- voting tool so listeners know where to go to find that um we have to remain vigilant but there is a false uh, uh sort of security to this idea that you can take all votes from one party and add them to another party's column right some people not every right wing party will stand aside for the tories so it's entirely possible that those people who voted reform will vote for ukip and britain first or just stay at home listeners will have noticed the progressive alliance klaxon going off as alex was talking <laughs> They're stationed outside my door. (laughs) Rishi Sunak will have been Prime Minister for 12 months on Tuesday, and there is, amazingly, talk of a leadership challenge. It's been a pure joy reading Beth Rigby this past 24 hours because the madness Mm. that is pouring Mm. out on Conservative WhatsApp groups. Could such a mad thing happen? Is it even vaguely possible? Who the hell wants this poison chalice? It could happen, but... I mean, nothing is out of bounds in the current environment, right? But if Rishi Sunak w- was facing a vote like that, if unless he was certain he could win it, surely he'd just call an election, right? That's his last throw of the dice. It's not to just sit there and take it and possibly lose the leadership to someone else. Surely his last throw of the dice is to say, okay, Let's call an election. Let's see if I can get a mandate from the from the country. But I know it's a desperate gambit. But you know, if you're going to lose the the leadership anyway, well, it depends whether you want the leadership for the sake of the leadership or whether you want the good of the party. And an election would surely mean the annihilation of the party at the, on current polling. Okay, name one conservative leader in the last however many years, or a conservative MP that wants the you know the good of the party over their own ambition. Not my circus, not my monkeys, Alex. (laughs) Um, Before we finish up, we should just have a moment to thank the real architects of Labour's victory, Nadine Dorries and Chris Pincher. Uh, In a WhatsApp message leaked to Beth Rigby, one Tory MP said that in mid-Bedfordshire, we had an excellent candidate, but a legacy had been left by the previous incumbent. Quality shade, I thought. Yes, uh, and there's no doubt that all of that played a, a part. But it's also very difficult to look around the country and find constituencies and and MPs that have somehow not been tainted in the last few years by Partygate or some sort of scandal or lobbying or taking bungs or, you know, corruption has become so endemic in the party that the idea that, oh, these are just exceptions no longer works because, you know, we've had a series of by-elections and what they all have in common, every single one of them, is that the MP either had to go or resigned because of some internal Tory party issue. Because, you know, they're groping the wrong people or, they, you know, <laughs> they, I mean, 
so so the idea of saying oh these are exceptions i mean peter bone currently is uh, if there's a recommendation of a huge suspension for him that might lead to another by election is that another exception he's he's basically being accused of the same stuff that all these people we've discussed have been accused at, at what point does this venality does this absolute decay within the Tory party become the rule rather than a series of endless exceptions, is what I'm saying. Well, I think that's quite enough gloating for one day. Uh, we may have further by-election emergency casts before the year is out if Peter Bone uh, is uh, in, he's got, he's, he's in Wellingborough, currently a Tory safe seat with a 20,000 majority. That couldn't possibly be overturned, could it? Stranger <laughs> things have happened. Hem, hem, hem. Well, that, we keep saying that, right? I'm, I'm very busy at the moment generating a flowchart for the uh, candidate in Tamworth that goes along the lines, did you win your election? No, fuck off. <laughs> Alex, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, truly. <laughs> yes, definitely. And big shouts, because we know they're listening, to new Labour MPs Sarah Edwards in Tamworth and Alastair Strathairn in mid-Bedfordshire. You joined the show at an interesting time. Listeners, thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. A new morning has broken again, has it not? <laughs> <laughs>